0: Yo boom. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's touch in. How's everybody doing out there? I'm doing fine. I hope everybody out there is doing well. Um, I'm your humble and highly favored host, Isaiah Kid. As I mentioned, I hope everybody out there is doing well, healthy, and wealthy. I am doing so good. I am good. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I'm really am. I'm excited. Uh, I, So got, I received a lot of flack for my mock draft. I think for the time being, it was a really good mock draft. Uh, I've seen some reports over the weekend. I've seen some reports over the last couple of days, you know, at the beginning of the week. And um, I don't know. My mock draft is a little off. But for that time being, on that on that particular day, the mock draft looked really good. It it was a really good mock draft. So I do think I deserve credit on that. But some big moves have have happened since I haven't recorded. The Lakers got Andre Drummond. The Lakers got Andre Drummond. Lamarcus Arvich goes to the Nets. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about more about the Andre Drummond to the Lakers move because I think it's it's more significant. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it's a big move. It's a big move for the Lakers, a well-needed move. So I am going to talk about that. Uh, probably some NFL draft stuff, probably. Um, I, I, if you guys haven't noticed, I'm not, so I'm not like a, I'm not like a draft freak. Okay. I'm not a draft freak, but I do like the draft. I like, you know, the ins and out of it and the Intel and the different things that come with it. But I'm just not going to, I'm not going to give you guys ten different mock drafts. At the most, probably three. I'm not gonna do ten mock drafts. I just and, and quite honestly, I just don't have the time to sit around and do ten mock drafts. <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay. So some you know I'm not gonna lie to you. Sometimes I forget certain topics that we're gonna talk about, but I uh Certain topics, certain topics. Not a lot of topics. I don't forget a lot of topics. Like I hit on the main topics that I that I know you guys, a majority of you guys, a good share of you guys, want to hear me talk about. And let's just start with this one. Andre Drummond is something that you guys want to hear me talk about. So appreciate you guys coming. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Andre Drummond to the Lakers, and it seems to be. That a lot of people around the NBA world, a lot of people around, you know, NBA fans, Laker fans, NBA Twitter, NBA Instagram. Hey, Andre Drummond to the Lakers was a big thing. It was a huge deal. It it it, it, it understandably so because you look at the last, you look at the landscape after of the NBA and the championship picture after the trade deadline you know the nets had made a couple moves they didn't trade for anybody but they got Blake they got LaMarcus Aldridge uh the Denver Nuggets i told you guys i thought they i thought they upgraded massively and fixed some really important holes in their roster that i think will help and benefit them the clippers added up finally they got a point guard they got a true real point guard in Roger Rondo uh even the Milwaukee Bucks a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks prior to the trade deadline they added PJ Tucker um the 76ers also so it it seemed like every champ every team that we think has a chance to get to the finals or get to the conference finals they made moves every team around the Lakers made moves so it was so budding when when Andre Drummond had uh you know had did what he had did what he did and he finally got bought out wasn't traded and he signed with the Lakers he agreed to sign with the Lakers and now he's a Laker so it was a big deal but it for the Lakers it addressed some holes that they had in their roster first um it, the size the the Lakers lacked size they were they downsized from last year they the Lakers went from one of the bigger teams last year in the league to one of the smaller teams this year in the league and the big guy that they did at, Marcus Saul it just just not working it's just not working and i i would like looking at him in the playoffs in certain matchups he may not be playable but let's get to the let let's get to the truth in the core of Andre Drummond let's get to it and i got a funny story about Andre Drummond I really do. I got a funny story about Andre Drummond, but I'm not gonna share it on Airways. I'm not. But I, I just know I got a funny story about Andre Drummond. But when you look at Andre Drummond, you see a 27 year old seven footer who averages 17 and 13. You know, that's what pe- that's that's what most people see. That's what most people see. That's what casual Basketball fancy. see they see a big guy, twenty-seven, still relatively young, um, seventeen and thirteen. Now, before I even get before I even dig deeper, I must say Andre Drummond. If there was one thing that he could do or that he can't, that he does really well already, it is rebounding the basketball. He does that at a very elite level. He's won four rebounding championships uh and when I when I say four rebounding championship four-time rebounding champion I mean he's led the league in in you know in rebounding four times but if you take a if you really take a deep dive into the numbers and you look past the 20, the, the 17 and 13 the two the four you know the two-time all-star appearances Andre Drummond throughout his career has been a guy who puts up empty calorie stats on bad teams. Simple as that. He's put up empty calorie stats on bad teams. And throughout this process, he has developed some bad habits. He's developed some bad habits. And you look at this and you just look at the way how he plays offense offensively. Like he he thinks he's a number one option. He thinks he is a he thinks he's a max player. Actually, prior to the season starting, I remember he told some Cavalier team he he told some of his Cavalier teammates that he wanted a max contract after this year because he felt as that he was a max player. And that right there has been the downfall of Andre Drummond. That is why Andre Drummond has underachieved. Because he thinks he is better than what he actually is. And you can, and it, it, it it all shows in his offensive numbers. And what I mean by bad habits, where he's picked up, he's picked up some terrible habits because he's been on horrible teams. And he goes into these very weird. offensive isolations, he he thinks he's Hakeem Olajuwon on the block, but he's not. And that is one of the main reasons why Andre Drummond shoots under 50% from the field. As a big man, he's a seven-footer who plays around the rim, and he shoots under 50%. Under 50%. Take that into account. He shoots under fifty percent, and what that's showing me is, and and you can go look. There's clips, there's film, of Andre Drummond just offensively just losing his mind. I'm not I'm not making this stuff up. And first, when you see these clips, first it's poor basketball IQ, and then second, he does not have for a big man. He does not have a good touch around the rim. He just doesn't. He just doesn't. And to add and to add and to add fuel to the fire with this, he shoot and to be exact, he shoots 47% from the field as a big man who plays around the rim. That is not good. That is below average. But as I said, to add fuel to the fire, his usage rate is sky high. It's ridiculous. Couldn't believe it actually. I honestly could not believe that his usage rate was so high. And I'm about to go into some advanced stats. So I'm just gonna like for for example, usage rate. If you don't know what usage rate is, it's a pretty well-known advanced stat around the NBA, it's been used for a while now, and basically. It tracks. It is. It, it you know. It it basically gives a definition within the word. Use within the phrase usage rate. But it it tracks the usage percentage. Uh, it's about an estimate of you know percentage of where the team plays used by by a player while he's on the floor. So Andre Drummond's usage rate is thirty one percent. It's thirty one percent. Now to put this to put this stat in full context 31% usage rate in in today's NBA right now this year would rank 13th he would he would rank 13th in usage rate 13th to add more context to it he has a higher usage rate than Kyrie Irving than Jason Tatum than Nikola Jokic then Kawhi Leonard. That's just to throw some names out there, and we all know those name, those names that I just named, that I just threw out there, they are way more offensively advanced and offensively and more offensively skilled than Andre Drummond. But his percentage, he's not efficient at all, and his usage rate is higher than those guys. It's higher than those guys. And that is a problem, because for a player that averages 17 points per game, you would think he would have a positive offensive impact, but it's the complete opposite. And to touch more on just how inefficient Andre Drummond is, his shooting percentage around the rim, it ranks bottom three among centers around the league. And I think to be exact, his shooting percentage around the rim actually is 51%. That's bottom third. Bottom third in the league. Bottom third among centers in the league. And when I and, and, and when I point out some of these stats, it's just so glaring to me. And there's more, there's more advanced stats that prove how inefficient Andre Drummond is. Actually, to give you guys a great example, you guys know that I get on Russell Westbrook, a.k.a. Russell Westbrook. I get on him a lot because how inefficient he is, especially as a point guard, quote-unquote. Quote-unquote. Because <clears throat> some people could argue that he's really not a point guard. But... For him to be as inefficient as he is as a point guard, that's why I bang on Russell Westbrook so much. And you look at Andre Drummond numbers, he is he's he's basically the Russell Westbrook of centers because his usage rate, similar to Russell Westbrook, is sky high. But with it being so high, he's not efficient whatsoever. <laughs> He's not efficient whatsoever. And he's closer to the rim. He plays closer to the rim than any other position, than any other guy on the floor. He plays closer to the rim. And this is where the this is where, like Andre Drummond, he's been he's been a player that's played on some bad teams. He's never won anything. He's never won a playoff game. He's been to the playoffs twice. And he has never won a playoff game. He's gotten swept in both of the series that he's played in. <laughs> never won a game. So when you look at the totality of Andre Drummond in and his career, he is once again, as I as I stated, he's a player that puts up empty stats, empty calorie stats on bad teams. And he has a off he has a negative offensive impact. And you would think with the size, with the athleticism, you would think offensively he would be better, but that is just not the case. And he's and he's not efficient. <laughs> like he's not efficient. So when people tell me and when I keep seeing, "Oh my god, Andre Drummond, is this Like I heard people, I I just saw so many people talking about Andre Drummond like he was the best thing since sliced bread, and I'm like, hold up, this dude puts up 17 and 13, and you know he's on a bad team, but I just, I in in, in any time, and this is, and this sometimes it's past the numbers, sometimes it's about what your eyes tell you, and I know my eyes, they don't fail me a lot, when I see something and I point it out. I'm most as I told you guys. I'm correct a lot. I am right a lot. As bad as some people don't want to admit, I am correct a lot. And when it comes to my eye test, I'm usually right. And any time that I watch Andre Drummond, he just never pops off my TV screen. Even you can look at his numbers, and you're like, "Oh man, he had twenty. He had twenty-two points and in eighteen rebounds, but." He never, he never popped out of my screen. He never, he never made any type of significant impact. And for you to be a big man and you put up these type of numbers, 17 and 13, I'm, don't even think about the efficiency, but think about 17 and 13. For you to be able to put up those numbers and have no impact, it's just, uh. So when people try to, I mean, and, and, and by the way, I'm not saying this. You know, being with the Lakers, playing with LeBron James, this could change his mindset. This could give Andre Drummond some new life in his career. It could. I know the the, the LeBron effect is real. The LeBron effect is the the LeBron effect is, is real. So, could it be the Lakers? And LeBron, they ask Andre Drummond to do certain certain things and play certain roles. And all you know, all yeah, he don't have to, he don't have to force his game. He don't try to, he don't have to force the game offensively. And he just catches a bunch of lobs and he rim runs and you know he he patrols the paint. If that's what he's doing, okay. Maybe, maybe this has a shot. But if I'm gonna continue to see the same old Andre Drummond in the Lakers with the Lakers in the Laker jersey, this, this 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 signing, this pickup won't mean much. It won't mean much if if I continue to see the same Andre Drummond that I've been seeing for the last since he's into the league. Basically, <laughs> since he's into the league, if I get that same Andre Drummond. This this signing for the Lakers, this acquisition for the Lakers, it doesn't amount to much. And also, when you're thinking about it, and when I'm thinking about it, there's going to be certain matchups and playoff series where Andre Drummond is just not going to be able to play due to the matchups. Like, I'm thinking about the Brooklyn Nets. What if Brooklyn goes small? What if Brooklyn tries to... uh, you know, sniff out the weakness of Andre Drummond, which is out on the perimeter. You can't play him. You're not going to be able to play him. Because now in Brooklyn, they can go ultra small and they can score in bunches. And and what if they put LaMarcus Arridge at the five? LaMarcus Arvich can stretch the floor. So it's just going to be certain series and certain matchups where it's going to be very difficult to play Drummond. But as I stated, I'm not saying this Andre Drummond signing is not going to work. I told you guys, if the, if I'm getting the same old Andre Drummond where he thinks he's a max player and he's looking for a max contract and he and he continues these bad habits that he that he has picked up over the years, then this this signing won't mean much. It won't amount to much. It won't. Because if you think about it, or not you think about it, I told you guys, I explained it. He is a big who is not efficient and has poor touch around the rim. And it's just awful. It's just completely awful. So this is kind of the harsh truth about Andre Drummond in a way. He's the Russell Westbrook for centers <laughs> when it comes to efficiency. He's the the Russell Westbrook of centers. Hey, y'all, what do you mean? Okay, you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? You want to rep your favorite team? What are you waiting for? Go over to the 47 brand. They have up to a 30% sale right now. Up to a 30% sale right now. At the 47 brand, they have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football. It can be NBA, NFL, MLB, um, NHL. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there. Rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale. The 47 brand. So let's shift gears um, to the NFL. I uh, talked about Andre Drummond. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get back to some more NBA because I know you guys want some NBA, more NBA content, which I've been doing good on. But <clears throat> let's go to Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. This was a big time story, a big time trade that transpired last week. And um I talked about it last week, and I like the trade. And I told you guys I felt as that. I, I felt as such, excuse me. That the 49ers were in a in search of a upgrade at the quarterback position, and, and and it was, I think, for a good part, a good share of that reasoning is first, I think they kind of know Jimmy Garoppolo's he has a ceiling. Um, but before I even touch on Jimmy Garoppolo, I talked about the 49ers salary cap, you know, situation. They have a lot of they have they're playing. The point is, they're paying a lot of guys top dollar. So what that means, you got to get cheaper at quarterback. But not only getting cheaper at quarterback, a point that I did not really touch on was actually Jimmy Garoppolo, who is the 49ers current quarterback, who was under payroll, who was getting paid $27 million. I did not talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. How irresponsible of myself. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a bad quarterback, okay? He's not a bad quarterback. But there's three major things that has happened over the course of the last three years, basically since joining the 49ers. There's three things. The first thing is, Jimmy Garoppolo's judgment and his decision-making has often been, to put it in a nice way, very questionable. On and off the field. But since joining the 49ers, his judgment has been iffy. It's been iffy and very, very questionable. Um, He had the porn star, I I don't want to say porn star incident, but... Uh, and I should and I should probably say adult film star, adult star. He he was spotted with an adult star, uh, at dinner or at lunch or something. Okay, poor judgment. That's that's off the field. But then the the, the poor judgment. <laughs> who who would have thought? Who would have thought the poor judgment off the field would lead to the would would lead to the poor judgment on the field? Garoppolo turns over the ball a lot. Garoppolo throws a lot of bad passes and just like into bad coverages and they lead into interceptions as they should. So not proper judgment and by any means, and by no means I'm I'm not saying, Hey, uh, there's anything, you know, you want to, you can date whoever you want to date, but I'm just saying the judgment is a bit off. Um, And it, it, it led to on the field. Okay. The second thing is, Kyle Shanahan has lost his patience. Kyle Shanahan has lost a lot of trust in Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just a fact. I witnessed it in the Super Bowl. I witnessed it in the Super Bowl. He lost faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. He lost trust in Jimmy Garoppolo. It's somewhat similar to that feeling. It's probably similar to that feeling that Sean McVay had about Jared Goff. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's probably similar to that feeling where Sean McVay was just fed up, completely fed up with Jared Goff and the mistakes. And I I think Kyle Shanahan feels a little bit of that too. And lastly, the third thing, and probably most important, is Jimmy Garoppolo, He's often hurt. Like, he's often hurt. He's a game of operation. Like, he's often hurt. And I just want to play this clip um, of Kyle Shanahan talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, the latest big-time trade in the NFL that transpired on Friday. Here goes Kyle Shanahan. I'm sure Jimmy was a little a little pissed off from it, just like I would be too. Um, but me knowing Jimmy, he'll be fired up and come in and he'll work his butt off. And um, knowing Jimmy, it... Usually the more mad Jimmy gets Usually the better he gets um, So it's, you know, Jimmy just gets madder And he stays healthy I mean, this is going to be a good thing for Jimmy too um, Which could be a great problem um, for the 49ers um, So I am I hope Jimmy's alright with it And I expect him to be And I'm excited to have him come in here And see what he's been doing when he's away And um, hopefully we'll have a team here That uh, we can work and practice with Which, as John just said, I, I think will eventually happen Okay, so And Throughout throughout that statement, you already said, you know, if Jimmy is healthy. If Jimmy is healthy. So, one of the three concerns slash red flags that I pointed out, Kyle Shanahan pointed out himself. The other two are obvious. Kyle Shanahan's lost his patience. And um Jimmy Garoppolo's judgment has been iffy, it's been cloudy, it's been questionable. And rightfully so. And I also I, I'm also looking at this. You heard you heard um you heard his press conference uh, right there, and he's talking about Jimmy and you know, how this is gonna be a great obstacle for him and a great challenge and so forth and he rises to the occasion when frustrated and so forth. Okay. The 49ers are drafting the quarterback. Now, who? That is a great question. That, that I mean, they were at Mac Jones' pro day, um, which was Tuesday, today. Um, they were at Justin Fields' pro uh, Well, they were at Mac Jones' pro day. But Justin Fields looked really good at his pro day. So we really don't know who they're going to draft. For all I know, they could probably draft Mac Jones. Would I draft Mac Jones at number three? No. But for all I know, for all intents and purposes, they, they could, it's possible that they can draft Mac Jones. Um, but back to the 49ers. First, and I'm thinking about it, the NFC West, it needs some therapy. Between their quarterbacks and coaches, they need therapy. They need some type of canceling. I mean, they need some type of like, like some real one on one therapy, Ayana, fix my life type of stuff. I mean, Sean McVay and Jared Goff, and I know Jared Goff, he's now in Detroit, but still, Sean McVay, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Pete Curl, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan. I mean, we need some real one on one conversations happening in the NFC West. I mean, I know tensions are high, you know, teams are. you know, coaches are trying to get back to the Super Bowl. These three head coaches, Sean McVay, Pete curl, Kyle Shanahan, all three got some big egos. I would imagine that, you know, the other, the, the quarterbacks, Russell Wilson's obviously the better out of the three of them, but out of the, you know, three of them, but you know, I, Got to feel some sense of pride there, right? But I guess they say pride. You know, pride is the thing. You know, before the fall. But still, I think uh, <laughs> the quarterback and coaches uh, tandems in the NFC West could use some, um, some, some tooling and counsel, You know, counseling and uh, <laughs> and therapy to talk some of these things out. Even though, Sean, even though Jared Goff is gone now, but. Oof, high, high tension in the NFC West. But Jimmy Guapolo, he's done this to himself. And there's three, like these are three major knocks. Like they, this, just this is like this is not like a you know a turnover problem. You know, no, 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 no. This is three, these are three major problems. Three major problems. Three. And <laughs> Two of them kind of feel they—they're not—they're not like reconcilable. They're not—they're not fixable. I don't feel like. Uh, maybe, maybe like, I, what can Jimmy Garoppolo do to earn back Kyle Shanahan's trust? Because he basically lost Kyle Shanahan's trust in the Super Bowl. So what does Jimmy Garoppolo have to do? Win a Super Bowl? Get back to the Super Bowl? Like, what does he have to do to gain tr- Kyle Shanahan's trust again? And then the injury thing, I mean, uh, maybe Jimmy just has bad genetics. I don't know. And actually, I got another clip, which I—I I I mean, I found kind of funny. But a former Patriot was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, and here's the clip from Jermaine Wiggins uh, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo's reputation. My sources here tell me they used to look at Jimmy G a little sideways. Like he was kind of a little bit Mr. Glass, and I'm not talking about the Sam Jackson character, right? Whoa. Where they where they were like, can't really depend on him, who can't we, stay on the who, field. Who are we talking about here? I ain't gonna say no names. Players, players or coaches? But just let's just say they were between the lines. Okay, so that says a lot. That says obviously players were that that that's the knock against Jimmy Garoppolo. Players thought that he was. Um, he was not reliable health wise and the the 49ers there's no secret they're taking a quarterback okay <laughs> Voila. <laughs> they're taking a quarterback if um they and and they're going to they're going to stick with Jimmy but they're going to also take a quarterback they're and they must they must really like a guy to move up the 3 and also it's telling me that the 49ers really they want to be good they intend the 49ers over the next several years intend to be really good because they were at 12 they moved they moved up and they they you know they gave up they traded away the 12th pick along with some of I think like two other future first rounders I think I, th- I think I could be mistaken but I think it's like two other first rounders so in total like three four first round picks and they moved up to three. So that's telling me they, they intend to be really good because they're going to be picking, you know, whoever uh, Miami has those picks or whatever, they're going to be picking late. And they're going to draft a quarterback. Now, on on Saturday's episode, I thought that quarterback was Trey Lance. I don't know. I mean, I'm hearing rumblings about Mac Jones, even though I think that's kind of – I think that's kind of some, you know, that's just to throw it out there. That's just smoke to throw out there. But um, Fields could be a really po- a real possibility as well. But I'm also looking at the dynamic in the NFC West, and I've been so I've been so correct about this. Once again, I'm sorry, but I'm right about a lot. I'm sorry, and this is another thing that I'm right on. The NFC West. Are they the most, like, they have to be the most aggressive division in football. I mean, quarterback change, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, the Rams, and the 49ers have both gotten to Super Bowls recently, like, very recently with their, with, with, you know, Jared Goff, their former quarterback, and Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers quarterback. And they've both gotten to Super Bowls, and Both teams are looking for replacements and both teams are looking for guys that are potentially better or have higher ceilings, (laughs) which is uh, which is like incredible because you think about like they got to the Super Bowl just two years ago. (laughs) The Rams got to the Super Bowl just three years ago (laughs) and you're thinking to yourself like, I mean, you don't want to give it another run at it. Nah, nah, show me face. nah. Nah, I'm done so it kind of speaks to the aggressiveness the the aggressive nature that the that the nfc west teams have even like the seahawks and cardinals the seahawks they signed out they went out and go you know went out and signed some guys um finally uh the cardinals they went out and signed some guys <laughs> they signed jj wad you know they, so so it's a it's a ripple effect it's a domino effect it's a snowball effect <laughs> in the nfc west With the aggressiveness. And the 49ers are trying to pull an aggressive card right here. And they're going to draft the quarterback. And they're probably going to stick with Jimmy G for one more year. Um, and then they'll probably look for future options for Jimmy G. That's how I'm looking at it. That's how I'm looking at it. Simple as that. But if but how irresponsible of me, how irresponsible of me not to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. I talked about the trade. I talked about who I thought the 49ers were going to draft, but I did not talk about why the 49ers were are out on Jimmy Garoppolo. And those are the three key, those are the three key, three key reasons. Think keep those in your keep those in your memory bank. Garoppolo, bad judgment, bad decision making. Also, Kyle Shanahan lost faith. He lost trust in Jimmy Garoppolo. And then lastly, Jimmy Garoppolo's a he's a he's a walking game of operation. He's always hurt. He's not He's not he's not dependable. Well, you guys know what I tell y'all for the for the day one listeners. The best ability is availability, and it sounds cheesy, but it's somewhat true. And you know we're talking about the Bay Area, so let's just stay in the Bay Area. Actually, let's stay in. San Francisco, even though I know the 49ers playing Santa Monica. Okay. So Steph Curry. I wanted to talk about this um I wanted to talk about this probably a while ago or, or a couple episodes ago I wanted to talk about this. But I feel like I want to talk about it now. So let's talk about it now. And I think Steph Curry is great. I think Steph I think Steph is incredibly incredible likable. Um incredibly likable, excuse me. I think he is um I think sometimes he gets old it gets he gets a little bit overshadowed um due to those years with KD, and rightfully so, because KD was ultimately the better player. Um he was the best player on that on those warrior teams. But um as of right now, as if this year. I am holding Steph to this. And it's nothing against him. But it's the mere fact that we consider Steph Curry the greatest shooter of all time, which he is. We consider Steph Curry to be one of the best point guards in league history. If you quote unquote, if you deem him as a quote unquote point guard which a lot of people do, and some people don't. But, okay, if you deem him as a point guard, you probably think he's one of the greatest point guards ever, right? Okay? And some and some people would probably argue he's the second greatest point guard behind Magic Johnson. Some people would argue that and so forth. The point is, as great we give all these accolades, We give all of these adjectives. Steph Curry, he has to get his team to the playoffs. That's all I ask. As great as he is, as game-changing as he's been, I must say also, he's had a big influence on basketball. He has a big influence on how we look at basketball today. The Steph Curry effect, a big influence. So b- major ups to Steph Curry. But as great as, like I said, as great as he is, he has to get his team to the playoffs. Um, He has to. Right now the Warriors are 23 and 24. I know he's coming off of a, of a tailbone injury. He missed five games, and they didn't. They didn't. I don't think they won in that five game stretch. I could be wrong. I think they probably. If if I'm wrong, I think they probably won. I think they probably won one game, but out of the five games, I I think if I'm not mistaken, I think they lost. And the Warriors are now twenty three and twenty four, and they like I said, they send the tenth spot. And obviously, there's the play-in. So you know, if the play-in started today, they would be in, as far as the play-in. But Steph Curry needs to get. He needs to get in the top eight. He needs to get his team to the playoffs. Be- and I and I know and I know people are gonna say, "Oh, well, look at his supporting cast. Look at look at who he has around him. He has no clay." And that is my point. Because I look at his other counterparts, such as Russell Westbrook and. Chris Paul, Dame Leonard. We all we all think Steph Curry is greater than those guys. We all think that. And for rightful reasons. We all we all like if we would have the if we were to have an all-time list, Steph Curry would be probably he would probably be higher on a lot of people board on a lot of people list, he would be higher than Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, and Dane Leonard. But something that Steph hasn't done is lead his team to the playoffs. Since this, since the Splash Brothers really took off, since Steve Kerr has arrived in Oakland, or I should say San Francisco with the Golden State Warriors, since, since that emergence, we've always seen Steph with Co-stars, co-all stars, co-superstars, co-MVPs. <laughs> right now, this is the time where he's faced adversity. There's a lot of injury. Well, there's there's a significant injury to Clay Thompson, but you still have some replicable be- pieces to get to the playoffs with. I've seen Russell Westbrook do it. I've seen James Harden do it. I've seen Chris Paul do it consistently, constantly. I've seen Dame Litter do it. Ah, now it's time for Steph to do it. That's all I ask. That's all. That's all. I've seen James Harden win 50-plus games in the Western Conference with mediocre talent similar to Golden State and get to the playoffs. I've seen Russell Westbrook do it. I Like I said, I've seen all of these guys do it. I haven't seen Steph do it quite yet. And that's what I want to see. That's all. But speaking of Steph Curry as well, LeBron James has been actively recruiting Steph Curry since the All Star break, and I think I pointed this out on a couple a couple episodes ago, a few episodes ago. I pointed out how I'm seeing certain shows. I'm seeing certain media personalities point out how Kevin Durant is stacking the deck. And yes, Kevin Durant is stacking the deck. KD's. And if we're going to call out KD for stacking the deck, if we're going to talk about how stacking the deck diminishes and tarnishes legacy, then we got to do it both ways. And that is my problem that I have. With certain shows or a lot of shows and some media personalities, because we play this one-sided game. <clears throat> and as I explained, um, Earl, as I explained a, a few episodes back when I first brought up this topic, I don't use my platform or my channel, or, like I don't use my platform or my podcast to bash. <clears throat> And and just to harp on and just utterly bash other shows and platforms and podcasts and so forth. Anything along those lines. I don't. No. I use my platform to think critically about different narratives, different conversations within the sports world. And I break it down. But I don't like the one-sided... The one-sidedness with this conversation because if we're ta- if we're talking about stacking the deck, we all know who started this. And don't please don't please don't start with the Kevin Garnett did this. And by the way, <laughs> I don't hate LeBron. I don't first I don't hate any I don't hate anybody. I don't hate anybody. There's no hate in my heart. But I don't hate LeBron. I love LeBron. <clears throat> but if if these LeBron and I, some people call me Zay Bayless, you know short, you know, because Skip Bayless is a LeBron, you know, very critical of LeBron. So people, so, so so some people have called me Zay Bayless, Skip Zayless. <laughs> and it's funny, it's funny, but it's ridiculous because LeBron has has done the same thing. He's done the same thing, and he he started the player empowerment movement. And I don't think people quite grasp and understand when I say that because they like when I say that, it they just completely just they just go somewhere else. They never attack that point because you can't. It's a fact. LeBron James started the player empowerment movement. He started that whole player empowerment era. He has. He has. And it's been so much influential, so much so, where it's it's starting to kind of indoctrinate itself into the NFL. A little bit. A little bit. Just a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. But LeBron James started. He started this player empowerment era. He did. If you're in denial about this, and you call yourself, you claim yourself as a LeBron James fan, as many of these fanboys do, you would know that your king started the player empowerment era. And like I said, don't bring up Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett first got traded. Second, Kevin Garnett, his first choice was not Boston. It was L.A. Second, and thirdly, Kevin Garnett, when he got to Boston, he was thirty years of age. Now, not to say he wasn't good, he was still a really good basketball player. Kevin Garnett was still it, it, it really good, but he was on the back end of his prime when joining the Boston Celtics. He was thirty, thirty-one when joining the go when joining the Boston Celtics. LeBron James, when he joined the Miami Heat, when he chose to go join two other super two other All Stars. And a in one of those All Stars was already a Finals MVP, and at that time, cause like could you could make an argument at that time was a top five player. So you're joining an all two All Stars, an All Star who won a Finals MVP and a top five player in your prime at 26. And. and I'm not and i like I said, I'm not saying this to bash on LeBron. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it for those reasons. But I just don't like the fact where certain media outlets in certain shows are trying to paint this picture as if Durant, okay, he's stacking the deck. And okay, if he wins the championship this year, his legacy could be tarnished. His legacy can be diminished. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Ultimately, he's he's still the best player on this on his team, but I understand why people would say that. But my problem comes into my problem comes in where we're not holding LeBron James to that same that same thing. We're not holding him to that same standard. Because who started the stack in the deck? Who started that? Who started who started adding all these other who started that? LeBron James did. It's nothing, and it's nothing to like. It's not a. It's not a. Like I said, it's not something to do. To, it's not something to like hate on LeBron. But it's a fact. He started it. He started it. LeBron, like, get this. LeBron James tried to. He tried to recruit Jimmy Butler. He tried to recruit Paul George. Remember back in Cleveland, they were. You know, uh, like after. Uh, a year or two after a champ, after the championship they thought they had to upgrade they thought they they were thinking that they had to upgrade and they had to get a third guy to replace Kevin Love and they were thinking Jimmy Butler, Paul George, didn't get him obviously right remember that yeah that happened um th- yeah that happened he was actively recruiting Jimmy Butler and Paul George didn't work though also in LA, trade for Anthony Davis. Okay, he got AD. I ain't mad at it. You you needed another star, obviously. But then Kawhi Leonard was a free agent. Kawhi he tried to act he tried to actively recruit Kawhi. He tried to act he, he tried to act he tried to actively recruit Kawhi. He wanted Kawhi on the Lakers with him and Anthony Davis. Could you imagine that? Didn't happen. Obviously, Kawhi went to the Clippers. Clippers, Chose the Clippers. He tried to act. he, He was actively recruiting Giannis. Like the Giannis thing is so obvious, and I know I know most of the most of the reports about Giannis and his future before he signed the supermax deal in Milwaukee. Most of the reports were talking about Miami and how interested the Miami Heat were, but the Lakers were in play as well. The Lakers were well in play. We were t- the two teams that we were mainly talking about was the Miami Heat and the Golden State Warriors, but the Lakers were in full play because the Lakers had hired Jason Kidd as their assistant coach. It's one of the main reasons why they hired Jason Kidd as their assistant coach. That's one of the main cause w- one of the main reasons to hire Jason Kidd as their assistant coach was the ability to be able to to attract Giannis Antetokounmpo. That was one of the main reasons why they hired Jason Kidd. Not to say that Jason Kidd is a good basketball mind is and not and he's not a good coach, but it was. Remember, it was a very controversial hire because you know Jason Kidd was dealing with some DUI stuff. But it was it was a it was a very controversial hire. But why did they do that? Why did they stick their neck out on the line like that? Hmm. Because they knew Jason Kidd. Throughout his tender in Milwaukee, he had developed a great relationship with Giannis. That's you know, throughout Jason Kidd's last couple years in Milwaukee, that's where Giannis started to really ascend as a player. And since then, Jason Kidd and throughout his tender in Milwaukee, he had a great he had a great relationship with Giannis, and they thought that would be enough. If Giannis is on the open market, that would be that would be good enough to attract him. That'd be one of the main reasons why they attract him. It didn't happen like that. Giannis signed to Supermax, and he stays in Milwaukee. Also, the Lakers, they had one of Giannis' brothers. They had one of the younger brothers. Come on. LeBron, Lakers were actively recruiting Kawhi. I mean, they were actively recruiting Kawhi and Giannis. It's just that LeBron didn't get those guys. LeBron didn't get those guys. But he, like, like, like I told you, he, when he went back to Cleveland, he joined Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love. As much as you guys want to diminish Kevin Love and Kyrie Ir- and, and, and Chris Bosh, because they were third, got, they were third options on those teams, on those respective teams. You guys got to remember Kevin Love in Minnesota averaged twenty six and twelve. He was a walking double double every night. Chris Bosh was a really good player in Toronto before joining the Miami Heat. That's why they that's why they were assembled as a big three. They were all three All Star caliber players. All three. So don't so stop trying to diminish Chris Bosh and Kevin Love. Stop. It's not gonna work. And another. And people are. And then this is the thing. I yes, I know Durant joined the Warriors. He joined the seventy three nine Warriors, the team that beat him in the Conference Finals. I understand that. I understand that. And he, he and he needed to join the Warriors. But can we admit, can we sit here and admit that the Warriors, as much as Kevin Durant needed the Warriors, the Warriors kind of needed him as well? Because that's another thing. People don't people just have amnesia. People have certain people have amnesia about certain things. Can we all agree that? Yes, Durant needed the Warriors, but the Warriors needed him just as much as they needed, just as much as they needed him. Or I should say, just as much as he needed them. The Warriors needed Kevin Durant just as much as he needed them. The Warriors have had realized, oh wow, when Kyrie and Kevin Love are healthy with LeBron James, we can't beat him. We had him up 3-1 and we lost. Harrison Barnes. Is not going to be enough. Uh, they left him wide open. Harrison Barnes struggled majorly. He struggled big time. He, he was horrendous in that 2016 finals. And they said, we need to upgrade. They added Kevin Durant. And then the rest is history. And now LeBron James is trying to recruit Steph Curry. Now, I don't think Steph Curry would do such a thing. I don't think Steph Curry would leave the Warriors with Clay, you know. I don't think he'll leave Klay Thompson and Draymond and the Warriors organization to go play with LeBron. I don't think so. I don't I just don't think I don't I just don't see that happen. But we have seen crazier things happen. We have seen crazier things happen. We have. So wouldn't surprise me. It would, but I yeah, it would surprise me. But we've seen crazier things happen. Like I said. But this whole stacking the deck thing, just overall, it kind of it takes away from the excitement of the game and the competitiveness, the competitiveness and the drive. Because I and I feel I kind of feel for some of the younger viewers, some of the new viewers of the NBA that's fresh into watching the NBA. Because I can think back to when the late, and I've been watching the NBA for a while now. Since, 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 Lord know when. Um, but I've been watching NBA, and I can think back to the late great Kobe Bryant, where there was the narrative of, oh, Kobe can't do without Shaq. Kobe is riding the he Kobe is riding the coattails of Shaq, which was totally wrong. Kobe in those championship runs was they he was not riding the coattails of of Shaq. Shaq was very great. Shaq was the most dominant force that the league um probably had ever seen. Okay, you want to be honest. Yes, Shaq was very dominant and the most dominant force the league has ever seen. It was and he was definitely the best players on those championship teams throughout that championship run. But do not get it mistaken. Kobe Bryant was not riding the coattails of Shaquille O'Neal. Go look at those numbers. Go look at those stats. Go look at the games. They on YouTube. They accessible. He He wasn't riding the coattails of Shaq. It was that Shaq was just so good. But I can remember the narrative and people saying, hey, Kobe can't win it without Shaq. And that literally drove Kobe to no that 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 killed Kobe to no end. And that ultimately led to, I mean, one of the reasons why the Lakers and Kobe and Shaq broke up. And ultimately Shaq got traded. And then a few years, several years down the line, a couple years of missing the playoffs, hardships, you know, losing in the playoffs and so forth, he finally gets his hand on Pal Gasol. And the rest is history. And Kobe was able to get that monkey off his back of that that whole narrative of he can't do it without Shaq, he can't win championships without Shaq. So I've literally seen Kobe, the late great Kobe Bryant, walk away from Shaq. He tried to he he, he 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 trying to get he's trying to he was trying to get away from Shaq. He was trying to get away from Shaq. He was trying to get Shaq traded out of there to prove that he can do it. And nowadays, some of you guys' favorite players, some of you guys who, some of you, play, some of the guys that you call the greatest player of all time does the complete opposite. And, and, and like I said, I'm not, and I think when I say player empowerment, I think people, it just goes over people. Sometimes it goes over people's head because when I mention it, they like, uh, okay, and they just go over it. But no, 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 no. If Lebron like all these LeBron fans, because that's what really be coming at me, all these LeBron fanboys and so forth, and I'm a LeBron fan too, but but all of these fanboys, these fanboys, if you guys were real legit fanboys, you would know that your favorite players started the player empowerment, player empowerment movement. You would know that. You would know that. You would know that. Simple as that, you would know. But nope, people turn over head, they turn over cheek. But when Durant does it, it's a problem. And that is why I say, hey, I, I'm I'm gonna continue to say it. LeBron started it. He started the player in power movement. LeBron is MySpace. Kevin Durant is Facebook. The LeBron fanboys are mad. They're pissed off because Durant is getting the guys. He is actually stacking the deck, and he's just doing it better, quite honestly. He's doing it better than LeBron. He's doing it better than LeBron. And LeBron is MySpace, and Kevin Durant is Facebook. KD is taking it to a whole other level. Taking it to a whole other level. I'm going to say it again. LeBron is MySpace. KD is Facebook. Simple as that. Simple as that. And you and have you guys ever thought about? Because certain players, I and like I said, it's not a it's not a slight towards LeBron, but it's the it's the it's the truth. It's the it's the it's the it's the truth. When you're thinking about playing with LeBron James, ultimately any any player that joins LeBron. You have to change your game. You have to adapt your game and change your game to fit his style. And one could argue, well, he's LeBron James. You should have to change your game. One could argue that. And I ain't mad at that. But when in comparison, in contrast, when you look at a guy like Kevin Durant, it's very easier. I mean, well, that's not good English. That's not proper English. It's it's easier to play with a guy like Durant because he doesn't. He's not as ball dominant as LeBron. He doesn't. He doesn't need to be as dominant with the ball and 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 have driving lanes open. Like Durant is literally a guy where he can take 12 to 13 shots and still get his 27 30 points. He can still get his 27 28 29 30 points off of 12 and 13 shots. When you think about playing with LeBron, think about Kevin Love and Chris Bosh. Kevin Love and Chris Bosh, Kevin Love like particularly Kevin Love. Kevin Love in Minnesota was a post-up guy who banged. He was a, he was a he was a he was a bruiser and a banger in in Minnesota. He post-up. He had a lot of post-ups and just a complete bruiser and banger in Minnesota. And he could shoot a little bit. He did it here and there. He showed his range here and there, but he was a straight-up bruiser and and bang guy, low post, on the block. When he joined LeBron James, his style had to change because – LeBron needs to be able to drive the basketball and the lane must be open. The lane must be open. So you got to open up the lane. So that means you have to stretch the floor and Kevin Love turned into a glorified stretch four in Cleveland. and, And I mean, that was his role and he played it well enough where they won a championship, but that's what his role turned into. So when you think, so when y'all, so when you guys are talking out your mouths and just bashing Kevin Love, and you're saying and you're looking at his stats in Cleveland, you're like, what the hell happened? Well, look at LeBron. You have to, because ultimately that's what happened. Kevin Love was a high, he 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 a lot. He was used to a lot of post ups, a lot of face ups in Minnesota. He did not get those he he did not get the same amount of opportunities as he did in Cleveland and a lot of his shots came further away from the basket a lot of three point shots. You ask yourself about Chris Bosch Chris Bosch in Toronto before Jordan LeBron was a low a low post face up type of guy. He often could he could he could shoot the three. Really, it really wasn't a big part of his game. He was more of a mid-range, face-up, on the block type of guy. When he got to Miami, you could you can't you can't be on the block. You can't have those same post-up opportunities. You can't you can't have those face-up opportunities because you need to spread the floor and open the floor up for LeBron James so he can drive the basketball, so he can penetrate the basketball. So Kevin Love, you know what he did? He worked on his three-point shot. He worked on his three-point shot. And he turned into basically a stretch four. With with Kevin Durant, you don't have to change your game. Because he fits seamlessly. So when people, are, and I'm not saying that makes KD a better player. No, LeBron is better, I think. But that doesn't, but it it does make KD easier to play with, and just because I'm saying it's easier to play with LeBron, I mean with Durant doesn't doesn't mean I'm saying Durant is better. I'm not saying Durant is better, but it's much easier to play with him because he doesn't need the ball. He's not as ball dominant. Simple hope you guys enjoyed this episode um i appreciate you guys for tapping in with me once again continue to show love and spread this podcast thank you guys truly appreciate it truly do without further ado i'm gonna let you guys go (laughs) always remember two choices one decision peace deuces i'm out